James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, and it will, it will be the death of you. Cha from Category Three Podcast, and with me I have James Shergan. Hey, James, how's it going? Uh, doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, we uh, this this episode's going to be a little different. We actually saw this in the movie theater together. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. But let also... me let me announce the movie first. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we're talking <laughs> about the movie James Bond film No Time to Die. Yes, and yes. Sorry for interrupting, but yeah, no, we no. watched this movie in the movie theaters. Together yeah. here in uh, Kent, Washington's AMC. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So you know, how that, was that, the experience? Shout out for all you looking for the Easter eggs at the uh, end of the credits, <laughs> or you know, just want to stalk us a little bit more. Um, there we go. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun just to be back in the theater. Um, I've seen maybe four movies in the pandemic uh, since theaters reopened, and this is definitely probably my fa- most favorite uh, theatrical experience. Um, unfortunately that also means it's very difficult to take notes in a theater. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be a little bit more of an experiment just to see how, um, it goes as well. Um, that's a good call out. Yes. It's, uh, it's definitely, you don't get as many options to be able to rewatch the movie and take notes and stuff. Right. And then get, get here. So, um, given that you watched this movie in the theater, you said you'd watched, what, like a few movies in the theater so far throughout the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had just watched one other one. Uh, yeah. With Dev Patel. Green Knight, uh, yeah. The Green Knight. And that was uh, a very different movie than, than sort of what I expected. Yeah. It was, it was probably good, but it's not for me. Anyways, we're here to talk about No Time to Die. James Bond. Daniel Craig as James Bond. Um, very exciting movie, lot, lots of action. What did you think about, what did you think of the movie and what was your experience watching it in the theater? Uh, it was a pretty good experience. We saw it at one of those sort of like luxury theaters. Um, and thankfully the movie lived up to it. The movie is quite long, two hours and 40 minutes, but it does fly by pretty fast. And, uh, you know, just seeing it in a crowd, uh, there was a woman next to me that was very into the movie. And, uh, you know, I could tell, uh, especially at the end, we do tell spoilers on this podcast, uh, yes. that she was uh, very surprised and pretty moved by the ending of uh, Bond uh, dying. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Um, Would she have tears in her eyes or just she was... Uh... I, I, I feel like I could recognize the moment where she's like, oh, shit, they're going to kill Bond. And so oh, yeah. she, she was... I, I don't know if she was devastated. Yeah. I don't want to put words in her mouth to this nameless woman that was sitting next to me. Uh, but she uh, she did seem impacted. They do. They do. Like, I think I really empathized with Bond yeah. throughout this film. And as I have, as they've built his character over the movies, they've done that a really good job right from the beginning, from Casino Royale and where you really connect with this Bond. Yeah. Uh, and Daniel Craig, who is a great actor, I think. Right, uh, right. Plays it very, very well. Um, yeah, I, despite... I mean, 
uh, him being a drunk, uh, not not Daniel Craig, but the, this Bond being a absolutely high functioning alcoholic yeah. who's going around the world killing people. Yeah, I mean, I I do think I mean I have a lot of respect for what Daniel Craig has done with the role just in general over the course yeah. of the five films, and like yeah. he is a fully realized character that in a way that I think maybe not all the Bonds are uh, from yeah. the past. Yeah. So I do, uh, you know, some of the films, uh, some of the five films that Craig did are not so good and some are better than others. Yeah. Um, for me, this one I think falls probably right in the middle as like yeah. a pretty enjoyable one. I think it's solidly better than Quantum and Spectre. Uh, but uh, for me, at least, I, I would probably still put Casino Royale and uh, Skyfall above this film. So for me, nice. pretty uh, pretty clearly in the middle as far as my Bond rankings go. For I would Craig. I would probably rank it in a similar vein. The yeah, and and the fact that like at the end they in a such a sudden way um kind of show you like that his end is imminent like the obviously we knew that he was not going to be a bond anymore but they're literally going to kill off this character yeah was pretty surprising to me yeah did so question um, did you know what was going to happen no okay and i mean i was moved a little bit i i don't know if i was like the moment that happened i kind of I kind of understood what they were doing and why they were doing it, mm -hmm. but uh, I was just kind of saying that yeah, as as we've known to empathize this this James Bond, I can understand why the lady was kind of uh, yeah yeah uh, no no me too yeah I mean I, I totally understand um, I unfortunately was spoiled by the ending so I knew what was coming uh -huh. but uh, okay uh, I, I think I just listened to like an extra ten seconds of a podcast and spoiled oh. myself but oh no. Um, I, I still was quite moved by the ending, and I think it's uh, quite well done, um, and I think it does land. Uh, you know, there are parts of the last 40 minutes that I think we could pick apart pretty easily, but the part about him dying, I do respect yeah. uh, that choice, and I think it's, I don't know, I thought, I thought it worked quite well, honestly. It's pretty unique in this way, right? They've never, I don't think they've killed off any of the Bonds so far. Yeah. So kudos to to them taking that leap, but also them you know kind of building this character in such a way right from the beginning that they knew that killing off would be a good payoff for the movie in a way too right like for for the whole series like you've known this person and like it's not they're not the most stable sane person and uh to show show him always coming up at the top Mm -hmm. It's probably just not as fun, so it's like a unique turn of events to to essentially kill off Bond in a James Bond film. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, certainly unexpected. It's like I feel like um, you know one film that you could compare it to to which they knew was the finale of the Nolan Batman's was uh, Dark Knight Rises, and that mm -hmm. one they kind of pulled their punch at the end. Like they could have killed him, but they chose to yeah uh, imply that he's alive and i like this choice to actually kill him much more than uh that the choice that uh the batman creators uh, nolan or whoever was making that decision did in uh, that film i think they had more plans because heath ledger was such a great performer that they had more plans to use him in the sequel you mean so, uh, christian bale yeah uh, you said heath oh oh sorry okay you mean The Dark Knight Rises? I thought you yeah, meant yeah. letting Joker live in oh, The Dark Oh, no, Knight. no, I meant Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way they 
But it's, I think with any Nolan movie, it can be debatable whether... So you believe that uh, Christian Bale was alive at the end there? I thought it was, yeah. It was fairly obvious for you that that, that was I, the case. I, I thought it was, yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, I, I, I don't have any specific say in it, but I feel like it was fairly debatable. Uh-huh. And, that, and the way... Um, you you uh, thought there Alfred were a dream within kind a dream. Kind of predicts it. Predicts it? Yeah, it was a dream <laughs> within a dream. Yeah. Uh Actually, they're just creations of Leo in uh, Inception. Anyways, we <laughs> we're getting way exactly. off topic now. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you're right. Let's come back <laughs> to Earth. <laughs> uh, let's wake up and not jump off the buildings anymore. Um, <clears throat> no time to die. Um, let's look at the synopsis. Tell me what you think about it. Right? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say it out loud. Uh, James Bond has left active service. His peace is short-lived when Felix Leitar, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that sets it up. That's, like, probably yeah. just, like, the first 25 minutes of the movie or so. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Somehow this James Bond must have been, like, removed from retirement, like, 20 times. Yeah. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but, like... <laughs> It seems like it's a it's a fairly common theme they try to use. Like the first movie is where he wants to become double O and then after that he's just like, Alright, I don't I'm retired and then like somebody comes in like, No, you're not and then he's like, I'm retired, seriously guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's quite a contrast. <laughs> it's like this one makes it seem like double seven is a pretty shit job. Uh yeah. and uh yeah. which is very different from like Pierce Brosnan's, which yeah. I it, they're so I, it's been a while since yeah. I've seen a Pierce Brosnan and Bond, but uh, they're just so breezy uh, that and lighthearted in comparison. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, they they definitely show him. Um, he's 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 probably as suave, but I think like they show that his competence is not that all all that you see it to be. He's more of he's survived. It's it's grittier. These, yeah. yeah, it's got like more. I don't know, more like, you feel more danger for uh, the Craig Bond than like yeah. Brosnan Bond or like a Roger Moore Bond, for instance. But but even in terms of his abilities, like, it seems like, clearly there's a, he he has plot armor around him, but he's supposed to be like, like in the previous movie where he like comes out of retirement, right? Like previous or no, uh, Skyfall, where he comes out of the retirement and they show him that he's not like a great shot and as the way he used to be. And stuff That's like right. That. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they show a level of incompetence in the bond that they don't show in the previous bonds. Right, right. And in that sense too, I mean, you make a good point too. It's like, I feel like if they were going to kill a bond, it would have had to be in this one. Because if they had just like randomly killed off Pierce Brosnan's bond mm-hmm. at, at like the end of like the last movie, whatever it was, Tomorrow Never Dies or whatever... People would have just been like, including myself, would just have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like totally not, doesn't fit with the doesn't tone. Fit, yeah. But with the Craig Bond, it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Um, that's, I think that's, I don't know if they had this in mind from the beginning, but the way they execute it, it it's quite well. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, we have... Another 007 in this movie, however. Um, Lashana Lynch um, plays Numi. Yep. 
who uh, succeeds him as 007, but not for long, uh, as she gives up her title of 007 again back to uh, James Bond, uh, Daniel Craig. Um, yeah, what did you think of the cast? We have we have Daniel Craig, obviously, and, and Leah Sadu, um, and a lot of the other, like the standard, uh, what is it, MI6 uh, yeah. operatives. Uh-huh. But then... Uh, Lashana Lynch comes in as a new double O. I don't think she was in previous Bond movies, if I, if I'm I, recalling No, I correctly. don't think so, no. Um, we have Rami Malek as Safin. Um, <clears throat> Christoph Waltz makes a, makes a few appearances as, uh, uh, Blofeld. Blofeld. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, Billy Magnuson as Logan Ash. So, yeah. 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 What, what did you think of the cast? Were there um, any standouts? What, yeah, for like me, uh, you know, a mixed bag. I, th- I think for the most part, I liked most of them. Uh, Anna. Yeah. Uh, did I call out Anna de Armas for Es Paloma? I meant to call her. Okay. Out. I liked her. Uh, yeah. She was in it very briefly. Uh, yeah. I thought she did good in the action scenes and she's nicely charismatic and stuff. I was super disappointed that she was not more in the movie. I thought she'd she be was in more. Absolutely charming. Yeah. And the way they just, like, briefly, randomly show her in the movie and then totally just, like, leave her in Cuba again probably makes sense from the story point of view. But she was just so charismatic and yeah. she was so great. I would have been happy if they just, like, yeah. pulled up whatever the fuck they needed to to uh, allow plot for her to continue on with Bond. I would have been, too. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... In that sense, I wonder if it's also like a film like James Bond. It takes a long time to make. It's a long time in the making. So I wonder, too, if she was maybe cast uh, when uh, it was uh, when she had not gotten as big as she is now. And maybe uh, if they had a redo, maybe they would have, uh, you know, blown up her role a bit. Because, yeah, I agree. I, I thought she was a pretty standout uh, in her five minutes of time. And this is yeah. a 160-minute movie, so five minutes and 160 is not a lot. Um, I don't know if she did her stunts or if, like, she had some... Uh, probably there was some some other people that doing stunts, but, like, they pulled it off so well. And she's so charming, like... There was no reason not to like yeah. extend her uh, as a character, yeah. if possible. Uh, what did you think of Rami Malek as Safin <laughs> being the being the main villain of he, the the writing on Safin and uh, Rami Malek's performance are probably like m- more on the dislike category for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's just like a little too much mumbling, a little much too much in the Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. I have a cheeseburger in my mouth while I'm trying to speak a uh, school of acting that like for me just doesn't totally work partly because I just don't know what he said 30% of the time. And, uh, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Given, like he, he has very little dialogue. Honestly, he needed, know? he needed, he needed subtitles or something, uh, for me. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't really know what his character's motivations were either. So I think yeah. in terms of writing, uh, he was a little bit hung out to dry there. Um, I saw uh, like some of the quotes from like Barbara Broccoli and uh, like the director saying like he's supposed to be like really Bond's equal or something and Bond hates him. It's like, I don't know if I got any of that. It's like, yeah. so so for me, I think the villain 
Um, uh, when especially you need like Safin, I think plays the biggest role in maybe like the last hour of the film. Um, I think that's probably uh, my biggest complaint with this is like I just don't know uh, uh, if that worked for me. Um, maybe I just needed subtitles so I could understand what Rami Malek was saying. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I, I was not a fan. Just from the age difference, Rami Malek is 40 years old, but he looks more like a 30-year-old, to be honest. Um, and they, they do some things with his face, but he's just, he does not look like a older person that bears the kind of gravitas that, that we would think of him right. as, as uh, James Bond's equal yeah. when, when James Bond is Daniel Craig. Yeah, because, I mean, um, like... That was we, the toughest part for me. Yeah, because it's, like, the age-wise, too. It's, like, we see him at the very beginning, and he's an adult when Madeline is a child. So, I mean, he's supposed to be older than Madeline by probably 20 years. And it's, like, yeah. how old is Madeline? She's, like, maybe 30, so he should yeah. be, like, 50? It's, like, and Rami Malek, I mean... Yeah, yeah, as you said, he looks closer to 30 than 40. So, I mean, uh, it's like, it, uh, it, it, the timeline-wise, you're right. It doesn't totally make sense. They try to, like, cover it up with, like, masks and, like, yeah. disfiguring, but eh. Yeah, it doesn't... The, I felt like um, it doesn't quite work also. Uh, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it was tough to really be terrified of, of Safin uh, in this one. But that didn't matter. In my opinion, like the the action and the the way things go, without even having Safin, like Safin would have been the cherry on top, perfect if he had been able to do it. But we still get that full Sunday without Safin being the perfect villain that he could have been, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I enjoyed the film uh, despite those things. Um, but yeah, it's like if I were to nitpick some uh, flaws with it, I, I think probably Safin and. Like, what was his motivation anyways? Uh, it's, it's like, what is he trying to do? Uh, I think uh, I think those things could have been better developed or something like that. But I agree. The action surrounding it and, like, the facility and especially, um, mm -hmm. uh, like, sort of the end uh, where they actually do kill Bond, I think that stuff works uh, and does help to just carry it to, you know, a relatively satisfying third act. Right. That's true. He he also kind of comes out of nowhere at the end there. Yeah. Um, everybody's gone, and somehow he's like, all right, I'm going to stick around in my sort of um, mausoleum or whatever he's built uh, and hang out while all the bad guys have gone to do his bidding. Like, literally the whole facility is supposed to be basically empty at that point when James Bond has killed out all the all the few soldiers that are protecting that area. Right, right. As he's about to leave, and then some, for some reason, Safin's still around. Yeah, yeah. And it felt so random. It, it really I was did, like, yeah. wow, where did he come from? And there's very little that establishes Safin as, like... I mean, the dude got, like, shot by a five-year-old. I mean, at the <laughs> start of the film, it's, like, it's like not really... Like, I don't know if I totally bought into, like, him being, like, this, like, hyper-intelligent as... Barbara Broccoli or someone put it, uh, villain. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I So a little underwhelmed by him. I'd say it's mostly the writing and partially Rami Malek with cheeseburger mouth. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but oh well. Um, what did you think of the uh, rest of the cast? When, what was your what were your perce perceptions of Lashana Lynch as uh, the new double O? I, uh, thought, I thought she was me. 
pretty good. Um, I don't know if she had a ton of material to work with, but you yeah. know, I I thought she was serviceable in in that time. I thought she had a good enough presence, and you know, they gave her some like back and forth with Bond that I wor- thought worked decently well. Yeah, I think I thought she looked like a badass. I don't know if her action sequences kind yeah. of played up as well as how well they made her look throughout the movie. Yeah, uh, they they almost gave. Uh, uh, Paloma more action than uh, yeah. than Double Seven. They should have had like maybe just a couple minutes. More. And I don't know if it was like Paloma just kicking ass and being so well at what she does, like so Ana de Armas doing so so well at what she does. That kind of took away the screen time. But for somebody to be the new Double O Seven, I would have expected sort of almost more power, more more muscle. Doesn't matter how they do it. But to have that capability, and I think um, they made her they made her seem fall a little bit short, and that might be telling us that James Bond is still the Bond. He's still the Double O Seven, right? So making it easy for him to come back. Right, right. I mean, it's about the Daniel Craig character. Uh, it's not about Lashana Lynch, but yeah. Uh, so maybe like slightly underdeveloped, but mostly satisfying. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Any other characters you want to call out? Um, I mean, uh, we were talking earlier a little bit about uh, Billy Magnuson as Logan Ash. Yes. Who plays a uh, villain. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's one of like those, that guys where it's like you recognize him in a couple things. And like, I yeah. totally recognize his face, but I was like, I have no idea what else he's in. Uh, or one of the movies he's been in where he has a decent amount of screen time is uh, The Game Night. Oh, okay. Um, and and that's not a movie that people kind of think of right up the top of their head. Uh-huh. It's a really good, funny movie, but it's kind of generally sits on like sidelines. But I think we should probably do a podcast on it if you if you like that kind of movie. I don't know if you do. Um, I believe I enjoyed Game Night. It's okay. been a couple of years since I've okay. seen it. Yeah, he's uh, he's also a mortgage broker in Big Short, so he has like a lot of these. Kind of tiny roles. He does a great job of looking like that clean-cut guy who... But somehow he's just weird and creepy. Yeah, yeah. Or he's weird and funny. And he does a really great job with that. So handsome handsome devil weirdo. Yeah. I think he does a little bit of that uh, as he... As he kills Felix Leiter and offs with the, the scientist. And then even at the end as he's chasing down... But they just, for some reason, did not give him enough t- uh, screen time. And yeah, I think yeah. I think I would have almost liked to see him more than Safin. And, like, I think this, I agree, actually, this person yeah. is a good enough actor where he could have really killed his yeah, role yeah. and, like, yeah. uh, excelled at his role. He's, a, he's almost yeah. the flip side of uh, Ana de Armas, where they do, like, a yeah. lot with very little. Yeah. Like, they both yeah. have maybe five minutes, but, like, they yeah. both have very unique screen presences. And so it's, like, you remember them uh and they, uh, I mean, they don't have, like, the most to do, but they do enough. I agree. Yep, yep. So, um, that's the cast. So we have, like, I have, like, favorite scene, but also have, like, major action sequence. We can maybe talk through some of those, see what you, what, what you enjoyed, what I enjoyed, and compare notes. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, so... We like we we talked through this earlier before we started pr- recording. We have like five different action sequences. Um, what were your thoughts were and uh, 
what'd you think? So first main one is like opening where, um, where, uh, I'm sorry, where James Bond goes to the grave of, uh, Vesper. Vesper. Yeah. Thank you. Vesper and, uh, gets attacked. Next one is with Ar Ana de Armes in Cuba. After that, um, sort of a small action sequence where Felix ends up dying in the boat right after the, right. the Cuba sequence. Uh, finally, Madeline gets captured in Norway. And then the very final action at the facility somewhere where, where they're building out the, the nanobot weapon. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of the action in this film, so I could yeah. talk about a bunch of these. I mean, the yeah. opening was definitely um, a standout. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean the, uh, the Rami Malek opening. Uh, where he goes to Madeline's house. I oh, thought right. that was fine. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking more like the Bond in uh, Italy yeah. with uh, Madeline. I think that is the pro proper opening. Like if if I think of all the other Bond movies, that is yeah, the the Bond opening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a kick-ass action scene in a wow. really great-looking European setting, which is exactly so what uh, Bond franchises do well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I mean I, it was a really um, satisfying way to start the film. Mm -hmm. um i think in general i like the first half of this film a little little more than i like the second half uh and so uh yeah i thought that sequence really stood out um unfortunately it's been a little bit of time since i've seen the film so i don't i i'm struggling to recall the exact details but like opening it on like that bomb and like sort of tying in vesper and madeline and giving some like gravitas to their relationship and stuff like that I, mm -hmm. I thought it did a good job of combining a sort of like the narration and exposition that you're supposed to get uh in that part uh and setting up just sort of the rest of the film with a yeah. really exciting action sequence yeah it was great like it starts off like with a bomb at the grave and then it just it's unrelenting in the the action that goes on from there right right, right. like even um gets chased all the way through the city on a motorcycle makes it back to the hotel and then it still continues after that right and they get chased by more cars and these like very very narrow roads uh, uh wherever they are actually i don't even know yeah. what location it's I a think great it's location somewhere in italy is what i want to say the um, the cobblestone and narrow roads make me think that but it's also kind of high up so i didn't even realize where they were um does it say uh i can't seem to find that uh just says visiting vesper's tomb so it's got to be italy right like she died in italy that would make uh, sense, yeah. So or, she she died in Florence. Oh, right? led by Primo. Okay, not yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't say it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good guess. Being in Italy, it looked like um, Italy, uh, yeah. like uh, one of those like very dusty uh, Italian hillside towns, um, yeah. which is a great place to start. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, one problem I always have with these films is I don't remember what happened the previous time. So like halfway through that, I was like. Is that the girl from the last one <laughs> about uh, Madeline? And it was. And, you know, I was able to catch up fairly fast. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we, t we talked a little bit about the, the next sequence where he's sort of retired. Felix, well, he's Felix and Nomi come, but, and convince him to go to Cuba, essentially, mm -hmm. to, um, to rescue or capture this scientist. Uh, and that's where you have the the conflict between Bond and Numi 
uh, start happening as as the two, like the retired double O and the actual double O in active duty uh, in trying to pursue the same thing, right? Yeah. But at this point, Bond is working as actually uh, a person supporting Felix. Uh, Felix so and the, the CIA. Yeah. yeah, he's on the American side briefly there. But generally, he's on the side of like doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which presumably is both... American and British, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So what did you think of that action sequence? Um, I thought it was also a pretty kick-ass action sequence. Um, yeah. yeah, having, like, multiple parties coalescing, and uh, I'm glad you did some reminders there with, like, uh, like LaShawn and Lynch and stuff yeah. coming in. Um, I thought that was really well done. Uh, the Spectre party, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a very secret Spectre party. <laughs> it's like, do you think that was just like an open uh, public event on Facebook? Bullfield forgot to make it private. It was, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed very, uh, very, very public. Like anyone yeah. could show up. Anybody could show uh, up, yeah. But the Bond was there. Nobody seemed to care about it. Whereas, like, if <laughs> yeah. you think about the previous movie, he's like literally in the center of the entire Spectre meeting. And then everybody just looks at him with a, like a stage light being shining, shining yeah. on him. And somehow these people still don't know who the fuck Bond is. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it I mean, was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, some social commentary about privacy on uh, social media. There, you know, it's like you got to make let's your not go there. private. Let's not go there. <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, um, but yeah, no, I really like the sequence, and you know, I liked uh, sort of the gimmick where they have of like targeting like the DNA and certain people yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, I thought that worked really well, and then you see like the Spectre agents. And, you know, I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I, I really like where this Bond uh, film is going uh, when, yeah. like, the Spectre agents and, like, it, it is, like, hand creates sort of, like, this mystery. And I think yeah. the mystery is particularly intriguing for a Bond film where, you know, a lot of times I just don't care that much about the mystery. It's, like, yeah. you can't, it's just sort of a trope where you're, like, that's going to lead to the next thing and the next thing and then there's a villain. But at this point, you legitimately don't know who the actual villain is and you're really confused at what is happening. I, I um, really like that, actually. Like, yeah. the kind of... Yeah, they confuse you and then that leads into an action and you're trying to figure out like what the hell is this and like you're trying to solve the mystery. But on the same time, there's just kick-ass kick -ass action going on and you're like, what's going on? And then what you expect is like at that point, like, oh shit, like James Bond's going to die by these nanobots or whatever is going uh, around. And then like next thing you see is like all the all the bad guys end up dying and you're like, what the heck is going on? Like, I am so confused. Yeah, and yeah. one of the guys that's supposed to be on Blofeld's side, Primo, actually ends up doing the thing that ends up killing all the Spectre. I don't know if he was necessarily uh, with Safin or not, but... I think he was. Was he? Because it seemed well, like... He, he eventually was on Safin's side. Yeah. I, I don't... I think... It seemed like he got... Maybe he was. So yeah, see that part confuses me. Still confuses me. But either way, like it was so entertaining to like that rush of like trying to figure out and and uh, at the same time just some kick ass action going on. Um, Paloma, Paloma uh, yeah. Ana de Armas just is amazing. Um, yeah, I yeah. Wonder, it makes me wonder if she's done an action movie before because yeah, it seems like she could be a pretty good. Uh, uh, action star yeah, yeah cast and cast member and something like that yeah uh like it, it's just i don't know i mean she was definitely one of the most memorable parts about that i mean it says something that like her part was like maybe just as m memorable as uh 
uh, Lashana Lynch's part uh, when uh, Lynch was in so much more of the film. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, she, she just kind of stole the one scene that she was in. Um, yeah, and I really like the scene too. I, I mentioned this earlier, but I just like how there's like a couple competing forces. Yeah. So it's extra confusing. Everyone's trying to get that scientist. Yep. And then like in the end, it's like Billy Magnus and uh, Logan Ash. Uh, 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 sounds like one of the... Destroys the boat that he's on and flies away. Yeah, with, so uh... there's even more conflicts and stuff yeah. going on. So there's yeah. just a lot happening. And yeah. I think it's well handled. Uh, so I like that whole sequence. I mean, it, you could even lump the Felix death in with this stuff because it kind of does happen just one after the other too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like it's essentially the continuation of that action sequence for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think of finding out that Money Penny was, or not Money Penny? Sorry, uh, M from uh, MI six Mallory was behind the go-ahead of, like, releasing of the nanobots and stuff. Like, it was on his order that the the person was doing this secret research, the scientist Orbachev, and then I think supposedly also uh, he kind of let him lose, essentially, to assassinate, indirectly assassinate people that he wanted to get assassinated. Yeah, how much... So, so like that. So, so there was with, a little bit of, like... Orbachev is with Safin uh-huh. and, and trying to kill Spectre, but also Orbachev is with Mallory and trying to kill Spectre. And that, that's, that's what I understood. And so Mallory allows, literally, in a weird way, he orchestrates it. So it's really weird, like, how... Because um, in the beginning, he just says... Like, uh, when Orbachev gets kidnapped, it's like, oh, yeah, just say it's some kind of uh, exercise or something. Like, they, he tries they to essentially it up, cover yeah. it up. And very casually, too. Uh, he, like, let's not even make a big deal out of it. And, like, he's not worried or anything like that, that a, a scientist with uh, the ability to control these, like, insane nanobots that can kill the entire population of the world is, like, uh, released and stuff. Yeah, um, huh, you know, interesting. I'm glad you brought this up. I hadn't put a ton of thought into it. Uh, I mean, to me, it does sort of fit in with the way a lot of, like, these sort of, like, global spy throwers go, where it's, like, they always show, like, governments being shady. Uh, Oftentimes, it's the U.S. government. Uh, U.S. government uh, is often, like, kind of, like, the security state or whatever, uh, and just, like, spying on people or, like, doing up to some malfeasance and... In this case, it's mm-hmm. Mallory, which I guess is kind of interesting just because he's sort of a major character and generally considered a good guy. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion on whether it was good or bad, but it is interesting. I think it was a, some questionable choice for somebody who's supposed to be like... Yeah. You, so like, if you think of the old M uh, played by Judy Dench, Dame mm-hmm. Judy Dench, she was so like, you know, very... Um, I'd say straight arrow. Yeah, straight arrow. Very like yeah, really good moral compass and stuff. Yeah, and and this new Mallory M is just Ray Fines is just like it seems like he's making questionable choices without any repercussions or remorse at all by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, now that you mention it, he probably should have just been canned. The last scene should have been him like packing up a box. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, like instead they they all like, end what up he did was really. 
Yeah, I mean, like it backfired. Like it was totally yeah. reckless. Uh, Fucking so, Bond had to kill himself because of him because of that. Yeah. If you think about so it, so Mallory killed Bond. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll piss off a lot of people by saying this, but that's what that's what I thought a little bit. <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, at some point, I think in between, uh, Nomi. Re- like gives up her 007 status and hands it off to to James Bond. Yeah. And then uh Yeah, I don't know. Like there's that brief meeting with um with Blofeld where um where Bond accidentally kills Blofeld. Blofeld. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I thought that scene was pretty well done, too. Um, I like how they sort of like, uh, I've heard this said on another podcast, I think, but they make him sort of like Hannibal Lecter. It's like he's behind all that glass and stuff like that. I like the build off to them. It feels like they knew how to use Christoph Waltz a little better in this film. Um, I I actually did like him uh, in this thing. I think he's more appropriately used for just a few minutes at a time. And yeah. in this case, he's such a... He's missing an eye. Yeah, he's always gives a lot. <laughs> and oftentimes too much when he acts. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought he worked uh, pretty well here. Um, so That's true. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of humor. He's just a little bit weird. And he's perfect in small dose here as Blofeld. Yeah. Um, I thought it would, like, his... I don't remember the dialogue very well, but it felt like... He's trying to be threatening, but the way that James Bond just doesn't take him seriously was a little bit humorous to me. It was just a little funny Mm -hmm. in that, like, goddammit, Blofeld, we've already caught you. Like, just just give me the answers that I'm looking for. And then Blofeld's still, like, trying to play the big villain, and then by the end of it, he's dead. (laughs) It's, like, a very short sequence. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is pretty unexpected what happens there. You thought so? I thought, like, it was coming. I oh, thought that... I very well thought that it was coming. And I also thought that... Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why I made that deduction. But I I thought that the moment Bond touches him, he'll die. Huh. Maybe they made it a little too obvious that the run-in with Madeline that Bond has right before that point, that uh, where Bond inter- interrogates uh, Blofeld... Where, where like her hand, he, their I hands see. touch or whatever. Like it, it, yeah, it was yeah. obvious enough to me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And they also the, do build up for that. Like they have Safin meeting Madeline beforehand. Yep. Yep. So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess maybe I was just more surprised how exactly it happened. Um, but yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um. Then Numi somehow leaves to go to Norway. I think. I don't even real. I'm not sure what. What happens there? I think she just runs away from that meeting. And then she just goes back to Norway, apparently. Um, And then uh, Bond goes to find Nomi in Norway, confront her or whatever. Uh, Try to understand the past and what the hell happened. Like how she's related to Safin and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if she's able to explain that very well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch a lot of the. I I feel like unraveling of the mystery there. 
I feel like this is at the or, point where, like, some of, like, the overall writing of the film and, like, what leads to what starts yeah. to get a little worse. Yeah. Uh, up to this point, I really like uh, the plot and how it's done, like, stuff like killing all the agents in Cuba or all mm-hmm. the Spectre people in Cuba and then uh, having uh, 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 Christoph Waltz even. I, I like that scene. Mm-hmm. And here's where it just, I don't know, stuff starts to happen in somewhat inexplicable ways uh, that, I don't know, it just mm-hmm. leaves me scratching my head a little bit. But yeah, she runs off, she goes to Norway, I think it's just because, like, she hasn't fully sort of reconciled with Bond, and so yeah. they uh, they have basically, I don't she needs to emotionally recover, so she goes to Norway. Yeah, and to add to the the part about things falling apart, I think I also agree with you, because... Um, I think what came to my mind was like in terms of Safin and what you said earlier about like they don't really build up his character and what he's supposed to be. And and I would say like if Spectre was this big organization that has been going on for two or three movies, um, all of a sudden, why, <clears throat> why, where does this Safin's organization show up from? And he has so many freaking resources. It just, I just don't fathom. He has this facility. He has so many cars and freaking planes that's following them. It's just, it's nuts. It's insane. Yeah, he's able to, because they say that that facility was previously Spectre. So I guess he just like took all that stuff over. I don't know. It's a little head scratching. Uh, he wasn't though. Like he, when he comes to kill Madeline, he's already out of Spectre. He's out to just kill Spectre. Like when she's a like a little girl, mm. he goes to kill her father and and her mother because he her father was essentially part of the Spectre. So he was That's already right. on yeah. the revenge killing spree then, and not part of the Spectre. Yeah. So it makes sense that he's been working at it to build out whatever the network he has. But like, if Spectre is on your radar as this organization for MI6, how the fuck is Safin's organization not something that you register as a... As yeah, a, yeah, you're right. With, with so they, many freaking resources Yeah, and like, how did he build that wealth so discreetly without anything happening? Yeah. I mean, they're fair questions to ask. I mean, I do feel like a lot of stuff around Safin, the more you think about it, the worse it stands up, in a way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll move... Maybe we're. I'm overthinking it. Maybe maybe that's why they also had him speaking in mumbly voice, so you couldn't totally understand. So you're like, I must have missed something, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Yeah, there we go. So, well, I'm gonna pick up the daughter at six o'clock. You know, she's yeah. some pizza. You know. Yeah. And then and then so then we see. <laughs> um, then like, Safed comes and and captures Madeline and Matilda, who's. Do you agree that she's the daughter of James Bond? I think so. She, Madeline was pretty, um, I would say, cold in telling James Bond right at the top that she's not his daughter. Yeah. But I think James Bond, despite that, is able to see right through it and somehow feels like a, like what he should for Matt, Matilda. It seems like it, yeah. 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 Um... So finally, uh, somehow, through more magic, um, uh, Bond and Nomi end up in uh, in uh, 
Safin's bunker. I guess what happens in between? Oh yeah, they they, they go and uh, uh, hijack Q's party. Bond and Nomi, or Bond and Money Penny. Bond and Money Penny go and hijack Q's party, don't they? That's right. Or date. Yeah, they figure and, out where. Yeah. Like a sort of a side hint that Q is is gay or yeah. homosexual. Right. It's like okay, all right, we're gonna play to uh, other people, cater to certain audiences, I guess. Uh huh. Um, it's just random, I guess. It was a little funny, I guess. Uh, and and yeah, yeah. You know, like it, like how he's like, not right now, guys. I have, I have a date happening, and and they're like, no, nope. oh, screw your date. We're gonna drink your alcohol and and help <laughs> us save the world. Yeah. Like, uh, they find out pretty damaging information, and then like, uh, they end up going to, getting sent to the the bunker or missile base where. Um, Safin's headquarters, basically, where he's building these nanobots. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, you have... So you have a little bit of... Uh, Bond has a little bit of interaction with Safin. Um, and then, um, clearly, we knew we know that they're not going to see eye to eye. Yeah. And they don't. And then... Um, and then shit starts going down. Safin's... Uh, Safin's plan is in danger. Uh, Bond being Bond and Nomi being, uh, you know, a now retired 007. Not retired. Yeah, that, uh, that's just what happens. Semi-demoted 007. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what happens again? What? what? No, you said that's just what he, happens. I was just, I was just gonna make fun of how uh, Daniel Craig is always oh. retiring. Oh, that's what happens when you first retirement. Yeah, you just retire <laughs> seven times <laughs> on average. That's funny. Um, so yeah, uh, this is the biggest action sequence. There's shit blowing up left and right. There's grenades being thrown. Uh, Bond is doing anything and everything he can to... Are we talking about Norway or... No, we're... Oh, uh, I skipped we... over Norway. I it's guess. okay. We can go straight to... I think Norway is a little more standard action scene. Yeah. yeah. Norway is more of a... Yeah, a little bit of action. A lot more of a chase sequence. Yeah. I think of all the chase sequences that I've seen in, in Bond films, this is my probably my least favorite in, in all the Daniel Craig Bond films, I think. It might also be the weakest action scene in the film, too. In a film that has pretty strong action. It's the least memorable, yeah. at least. I, I mean, it's necessary to move the plot along, and they kill Logan Ash there, but, uh, you know, other than that, I, I don't remember a whole lot. Yeah. I think, do I think they do, do this on purpose, maybe, because... In this movie specifically, they want to leave the best action to the end. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't always do that in all the Daniel Craig movies. I could be wrong, but I feel like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think generally you want you want your ending and climax to be very satisfying. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they go pretty balls to the wall at the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, there's a lot of, like, 
Bond going upstairs and killing people. Oh my god, that sequence is so great. Like he just yeah. like the goons coming out left and right and he just kills them. Yeah. Like grenades being thrown and he falls and he stands up and just starts jumping. Yeah, yeah. And it almost seems like a it might have been like a very continuous shot where you're just was, following yeah. James Bond, right? Yeah. Or yeah. or Daniel Craig running yeah. up the stairs and just getting fucked over like over and over again. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean a lot of plot armor still because you he, he got shot at and still sort of like yeah yeah it's, it's got a little bit of that old boy dna in it with it's yeah. a little different but it's like just not cutting a whole lot and stuff like that and if you remember quantum of solace it's like one of the big complaints about that is like it's like they basically hired the born identity guy to do the action and it's just oh. like super shaky and it's like oh. it's like uh <laughs> if you have motion sickness then <laughs> probably not the best bond to watch and i like how this one is totally different from that and uh yeah it's like the action is impressive it's gritty i think that kind of brought me back into the film uh Uh in a way is that like maybe the plot was at this point i think the plot is struggling a little bit more um to to keep you in um so yeah yeah, like the action being kick-ass is definitely something there and i mean I i think this bond film maybe more than any bond film really succeeds as an action movie um Mm -hmm. uh yeah, it's like, if yeah. you think too much, maybe it falls apart. But yeah. uh, action-wise, pretty A-okay the whole yeah. time. Yeah, I feel like Daniel Craig gives his, gives it his all, everything, yeah. to to accomplish that action sequence. Yeah. I want to say that he was also, in, in making this, he was also probably injured pretty well and they had to stop shooting <laughs> yeah. for you, a little bit. You know, I just realized yeah. that... Uh, him and uh, Anna de Armas were together in Knives Out too, uh, which is oh, that's a very right. unlikely. Uh, why you know apparently Daniel Craig when he's not being Bond, all he wants to do is put, do Southern accents. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gonna. There's gonna be another one, Knives Out too, and he's gonna continue to be the detective. Okay, he's the only potentially the recurring okay recurring character, and I would see that in a heartbeat. By the way, yeah, Knives Out was a very fun movie, so I would definitely see that. And I mean. I don't know how great Daniel Craig's Southern accent is, but, you know, as Ridley Scott says, fuck good. off if you can't. <laughs> don't pay attention. It's like, don't, don't nitpick the accents. There we go. <laughs> Maybe then you can enjoy the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think his accent's pretty good, although I don't know a whole lot about Midwestern or Southern accents. I mean, so. we're both in America, but I don't know shit about Southern <laughs> accents. <laughs> I just from the South New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last nitpick. What the fuck do you think about like uh, the world superpower going like, oh, there are nanobots in that facility that can kill everybody. Let's just blow that facility up. <laughs> like that's the final choice is like, as an engineer, do you think that's an effective way to try to kill nanobots that live forever? I, I I don't know. No. <laughs> it's like you blow that shit up and then that, like if there are any nanobots alive, now they're in the sea. And I don't know, like they they survive and they like they can travel and shit. Like how the fuck like that was the goal, right? Like his goal was essentially to spread the nanobots That's into true. the sea That's or true. something. You could easily spread it more. I don't know. <laughs> They were yeah. like, yeah, let's just fucking blow, like, that was their answer, not yeah. like, let me send some scientists to essentially uh, de-weaponize these things. 
No, we just no, blowed we the, just yeah. blow the, yeah. blow well, the maybe, kingdom come. Maybe that's like the credit sequence. Ten minutes later, it's just like there's a bunch of smoke coming up and then people are just slowly getting killed by the nanobots. I don't know. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and in similar vein, James Bond is like, fuck it, I'm just going to give myself up because I can't see my family, but like... Yeah, maybe there will be some kind of technological advantage advancement that would uh, kill the nanobots. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm thinking too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... Thinking I too seriously. Yeah, it's like... I, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot in the end that I feel like doesn't totally work as far as, like, plot goes. Um, yeah, a couple of my other complaints with Safin were, like, I didn't think he was a very effective foil for Bond. Uh, I also thought the hold he had on Madeline and Matilda was just bizarre and didn't totally work for me too. Like he almost yeah. has like this control and they explain why, but I don't, I just don't buy it for a minute really. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. necessary to make, uh, the plot work, but yeah, those are a couple more of my complaints with, uh, Safin and, uh, Rami Malek. Yeah. Um, what is it? The world is not enough. Uh huh. Has a, uh, it's so the, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie has a similar character called Reynard, and he's supposed to be in love with Reynard, uh, Electric King. So he's supposed to have uh, kidnapped her when she's a kid. And then um, he has a hold over her, essentially. And Electric King, she comes back, she grows up, but she's. Um, She's a daughter of an oligarch. And then, so she kind of joins him on this mission of like, whatever his mission is of like killing everybody in the world or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and I think they do a, actually, despite this movie potentially being a little bit more campy, they do a really good job of like selling the audience on like why he has a hold over Electric King. Mm. And even Electric King kind of playing off of, off to that. Like, Madeline just... It's very confusing the way she plays it. It almost seems like she fears Safin. But then, like, she's with Bond. I guess she just has a lot of trust issues. But I... Yeah. I still had a tough time believing... Me too. ...the I, hold. Yeah, I just don't think yeah. it was very well handled. Sad. I mean, I think Fukunaga's uh, uh, strengths are especially in, like, action scenes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I, I, and I mean, he's not the writer on this film either, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot to pick apart, uh, around there. Um, yeah, but I agree. It, it didn't really work. And like all the interactions of Rami Malek and mm -hmm. Matilda, I was just like, what? <laughs> Why is this happening? Let's go back to Bond going up the stairwell and punching people and blowing people up. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. World is not enough. I think also a fun Bond movie actually. Um, yeah, the yeah. action sequence and stuff, like, probably one of the better Brosnan Bond movies. Yeah. We're, 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 I mean, we haven't had this conversation, but, and we're talking about potentially doing Casino Royale and a future Bond, which I think we can both agree is one of the better, Craig, maybe just one of the best Bonds, period. Yeah. Where do you land on, uh, other Bonds beyond, uh, Craig? Uh, I probably like Brosnan, the next best Despite, like, and this probably just a terrible choice compared to what other people like. But just the, see, Bond movies to me are sort of also supposed to be, like, showing off the technical gimmickry and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, like, 
just going back chronologically works the best for me because the movies are a little bit more believable and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't seem to put myself in that time frame and just believe that Roger Moore or Sean Connery, Sean Connery is a better Bond than Pierce Brosnan for some reason. Uh huh. So plus you like it when. Uh... Also, I haven't seen a whole lot of Roger Moore Bond movies. I've probably seen maybe one and a half okay. Sean Connery Bond movies. Yeah. Plus, you like it when uh, white people are able to transform themselves into Korean people. <laughs> Other way around. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, that is one of my favorite Bond movies. Uh, oh, my God. Why am I forgetting the name of it? It's not World is Not Enough, but not. The the bonds uh, of the Brosnan era, yeah. they all blend together a lot for me. Other than um, Goldeneye, which I remember the name better, but uh, so this is the only title that I think is a very like a like a traditional James Bond. No Time to Die uh, for the, all the Daniel Craig movies, like Quantum of Solace, Spectre, uh, Skyfall. They don't seem that James Bondy to me, like. All the Bond movies, most of the Bond movies that Brosnan did, like, had the word die in it. And so, I, because I grew up with that era of Bond, yeah, that, that's how I, I think of a Bond movie title. It's just, it has to have some, another... The world is not enough. Die another day. Yeah, tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never dies. So, yeah. like, some kind of, like, doom, uh, you know, uh, ha- about to happen world doom event and he saves it so uh-huh yeah um but yeah um die another day oh my god it's such a good bond movie too um it, <laughs> it, it the the choice of like certain things that happen in there are way out there where like a like a north korean uh, dictator's son who is in the military converts him to, uh, like somehow gets plastic surgery to the point where he turns into <laughs> Gustav Graves, which is who's played by a white guy called Toby Stevens. Yeah. Who is the most charming Bond villain I, I have ever seen. And it's a lot of fun to watch him. <laughs> and it's so much fun to like see the dynamic with which Brosnan and, and Toby Stevens. Yeah. You play, may get very small servings of uh, food and drink in North Korea, but they have great plastic surgeons. They're, they're the best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend watching that. It's, it's one of the more fun Bond movies, uh-huh. in my opinion. Uh, we, we, we're off the beaten path, but yeah, so that's, that's my rating of like Bonds. Uh, okay. what would you say? You know, I'm, I've seen most, I've seen probably 20 out of the 26. Uh, Whoa. but for okay. me, I, I'm still not like the world's biggest Bond fan. For most of them, I find mm-hmm. them to be like entertaining, but fairly forgettable. And I yeah. put most of Brosnan's in there. Yeah. Uh, I like Brosnan. I think most of the movies he got were not that great. I mean, they're okay. They're entertaining. Uh, and I feel similarly about Roger Moore and, and mm-hmm. Connery, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I think for me, at least, uh, probably the Bonds that stand out the most are actually the Daniel Craig Bonds. Um, so That's very I, true. I, uh, yeah. You know, I stand, I don't know if No Time to Die is going to be an all-time classic. I kind of think it probably won't, although it does a lot of interesting things, and the action is 
generally all around mm-hmm. solid, but uh, I, I think a couple of them, probably Casino Royale and Skyfall, are the ones that I would highlight, are probably going to be, uh, you know, some of the considered some of the best uh, Bonds made. I agree. I agree. I think they've really, they really changed the way Bond movies were done and, and kind of really turned an arc, right? Like, were they... They made him a like a slightly worse person potentially, but they really humanized Bond as a as a character. The character development, uh, and like just the general acting of Daniel Craig, I, I think is just much much more uh much more interesting uh than uh, uh Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan I think is perfectly enjoyable in those roles, but uh, I do think uh, uh you know uh yeah. He's Craig, very... Craig's Bond takes it to another level. There's yeah. just so much more going on with Daniel Craig. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I, I think you can also sort of look at, like, probably 9-11 a little bit, as well as, like, Batman as just making, like, a grittier Bond. And yeah. for me personally, I tend to resonate more with grittier and more serious than I yes. do, like, goofier. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in that sense... Uh, uh, Craig Bond is a clear upgrade over Boston, which I yeah. think most people would probably agree with me. I say so, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with it. And, like, they really start off in the right direction with, with the grittiness and, and what you say um, about being serious right off the bat with Casino Royale. And I think it shunned a lot of the original viewers. I think my dad is probably one of the one of the, one of the people from that generation that will just say that, he doesn't like the new Bond. Like he'll, Casino Royale is such a get, great movie. And I think he would love it, but he just won't watch it because it has Daniel Craig in it. So like he's just like, yeah, he he's just been kind of removed from the new Bond era and stuff. But um, um, we're we're looking at uh, pictures of Daniel Craig as Bond in Casino Royale. Yes, and I love that movie. So young, he looks fifteen years. Yeah, that's uh, it would have been it would have been thirteen years, uh, had pandemic not interfered. If you re- you probably mentioned this to me a while ago, um, that he was the movie was about to release, and in fact he hosted SNL because it was going to release like the week after. Yeah, and yeah. Then everything shut down. Yeah, and instead they had to have uh, Rami so. Malek host SNL this year in order to promote uh, Bond. So of course, there you go. Um. Robbie Malik much better as an SNL host than uh, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I I don't know if the sequence about behave like. Did you watch the SNL sequence about Rami Malik? Uh, like a really sm- short skit about behave. I think it's just called behave, uh, and SNL. Um, uh, he's just he just acts so weird in that, and it almost reminded me of like what he does as Safin uh, with Matilda. And he tells her to behave. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it's a, it's a, yeah, I don't I, know. I recommend watching it if you've seen the movie. It's like a nice little connection and gives you a chuckle, I guess. Uh-huh. Rami Malek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right on. Anyways, uh, we're coming to a close. I, I wanted to ask... Uh-huh. I think we typically do a recasting couch and like 
a lot of people here you can't recast because they're repeats, right? Like the only few people that could be recasted are, are the will villain, uh, Safin, or uh, Logan Ash, uh, played by Billy Magnuson, or potentially Nomi. And I'm kind of curious if you would recast any of them and who would you recast them if, with if, if you have any, any, any interest. I'd definitely recast Grammy Malik. Uh, although ideally I'd rewrite that part somehow to, mm -hmm. to cover up a lot of those holes. Who would you, who would you try to pick? Like, I don't know. You know, maybe Not somebody who, who has, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who just has that kind of a presence. Yeah. Um, like someone a little off. Uh, I like, I sort of wanted to say Bradley Cooper, but I think Bradley Cooper hasn't done a role like this and I don't know if he would be able to pull that off but I want somebody with his kind of a frame maybe Ryan Gosling uh-huh Ryan Gosling would be an interesting person to do that he's also like a blonde I don't know why but somehow like, I I could see Gosling that, that yeah. would be interesting I mean uh, I feel like Gosling also does a lot of like non-verbal acting which could be good mm -hmm. in the role and it's mm -hmm. also like He's obviously known as being very handsome, so if you'd, like, disfigure him, that could be interesting, too. Yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I would want somebody who is not... Like, I don't know why, but I don't want Safin to be, like, a, a kind of skinny, uh, small person. Christian Bale. Reason. Yeah. Christian Bale. It, Christian Bale as as uh, a Dick Cheney suit. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Without eyebrows. Yeah. Shaved off eyebrows. <laughs> it would be weird. <laughs> I'd watch that. I, I don't know if it would be good. Uh, so Brian at this Cox. point, like just about anything, but Rami Malek would, would do better as, yeah. as Safin. Kieran Culkin. <laughs> Kieran Culkin. And Macaulay Culkin. Now I'm just naming the cast of uh, Succession. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall Roy. Kendall Roy. Brian Cox. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Brian Cox if, would if actually Brian be Cox if he's good. allowed to curse all the way through. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. Yeah, Brian Cox, I could believe him having a hold over someone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Timelines might be closer to working out, too. <laughs> Right, you'd recast Safin. <laughs> I don't know if I'd really recast Numi or or Billy Magnuson. I also wish there was more of uh, Naomi Harris as Money Penny. I think she's such a great actress, and um, she would. I don't know. I, I'd love to have seen her more. Yeah, it's almost like all of the roles uh, are definitely like sideline roles in this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, even uh, Ralph Fiennes uh, mm -hmm. is. Uh, M or Mallory it's like they're, they're small roles especially in this film so I mean I liked all of them in this movie but they're pretty minor mm -hmm. yeah I agree okay um all right um I think the only couple of things that we skipped over was like accolade and and budget mm. like um ratings wise like Rotten Tomatoes 
It shows 84 by critics, 88 by audience. IMDb shows 7.5. Mm-hmm. So pretty well received by everybody generally. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to get any Oscars or anything like that or get nominated for it. But what, would you say, would you agree with the the ratings? I mean, I'd probably rate this like seven and a half, eight. So probably yeah. uh, pretty close uh, yeah. as far as the rating goes. Um, yeah. doesn't I mean, fall close to the Casino Royale, in my opinion. Like that's probably my favorite yeah, Bond yeah. movie. And I, I view it pretty highly and I've seen it many a times. Yeah, you know, you and I, I think, slightly disagree on the best Craig Bond. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Team Skyfall. I need to rewatch both and mm-hmm. just sort of compare and see what wins. For mm-hmm. me, a lot of the visuals of Skyfall are what, like, puts it ahead, mm-hmm. in my mind at least. Um, but, you know, it's like... Skyfall is also great if you just, if you don't... I think I would almost have liked Skyfall had I not seen The Dark Knight, let's say, if uh-huh. I was not familiar with it. But... I think taking taking like a, a the kind of underlying story and the conflict of 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 the Dark Knight and putting it in Skyfall just pissed me off so much because as I was watching that movie in the theater, um, I was just like, what? Like it just felt like a ripoff, and it um, like it was clearly inspired by the Dark Knight, and like I I understand what the director and writer Dark were trying Knight to do versus Home Alone. Dark Knight versus Home Alone. That's right. At the end there. Yeah. Um, but it was just disappointing to see yeah. that. When like, was the last time I felt you like saw I was it? seeing the same movie again, basically. When was the last time you saw it? Skyfall? Yeah. Um, I may have watched sequences of Skyfall uh, on YouTube and stuff, but I think I only saw it once in okay. the theater. And it pissed me off really quite a bit. Wow. So that I okay. never ever watched it. So do you, would you say you like this movie more than Skyfall? At this moment? I think this this movie doesn't stick the landing as much. And so like as a villain, Javier Bardem does a better job. I would almost... Yeah, it's tough. Like I would... I would hands down watch this movie again just for the action. Uh-huh. Um, and I would probably watch Skyfall again for... Uh, it's tough tough for me. I would say they're about equal for me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I, it's tough for me to rank one over the other. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's... They're for so very different reasons, too. Right, right. Well, I mean, we're. it sounds like we're probably going to be talking about Casino Royale sometime on the podcast, which I would love to do that if you're in. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I might be inspired to rewatch Skyfall before we do that, too, just to, yeah. just to see how it holds up. But for me, Skyfall always stood out as being, like, fairly different. And, you know, uh-huh. being different could still mean, like, ripping off the Dark Knight. Uh, and, and still be fine with it. It's, right. it's, it's, if you are okay with it or not. And, like, I just wasn't. And I have not yeah, been yeah. able to get over that for 10 or so years now, so. Wow. Was it I'm, I'm surprised it was so resonant uh, then at that moment. I mean, I think the Dark Knight is probably better than, uh, I, I like Dark Knight better than all of those films, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, for me, uh, it didn't bother me for Skyfall. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's... And then, yeah. With Pandemic, obviously this mo- movie was delayed several times. And it's unfortunate. And like it, It's unfortunate to see that it... Like, 
it did pretty great in box office, but it still suffered locally. And it's, I think, it's such a good movie that I wish it had done better. Obviously, it wouldn't have had any impact overall in terms of, like, Daniel Craig sticking around. They kill off the character. Uh, and we're probably going to get a new Bond. Yeah. At some point, like, in a year or two, they'll cast somebody and yeah. confirm and we'll see that happen. Yeah. They also try to set Numi up as a potential next Bond. Yeah. And I don't know, what do you think about that? I don't think they did it very convincingly, so yeah. I'm skeptical that she's going to be the next Bond. I guess next 007, right? But yeah. not necessarily Bond. Oh, true, true. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think they, they played around with it kind of half-heartedly. And, and, and the way she kind of relinquishes her title to to James Bond to Daniel Craig. Right, right. Yeah. Um she but she was great. I would love to see her in more more Bond movies. Her and Paloma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or even just movies in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're both they're both pretty good, uh really quite good action actors. Yeah. So uh question though. Yeah. Action wise, would you rank this film above all the other Craig Bonds. I would still have a tough time ranking this above Casino Royale. In just action? Yeah, because there's a... Like, the opening sequence just has so much rawness to it. Interesting. There is a okay. good amount of melee in between. There's a... Like a... It's not even an action sequence, but in Casino Royale, there's a scene where... Essentially, James Bond gets a heart attack because he gets poisoned. Mm-hmm. And he has to revive, they have to revive him. All that shit is insane. Like, it's, like, it, like, that's why it puts you on the edge of the seat. Because maybe not just, like, it's, it's not as many guns being shot. But the action is, like, really something that puts you on the edge of the edge of your seat. And there's, a, like, a whole tarmac sequence, too. There's a chase sequence where they, um... Flipped the car, Aston Martin over. So there are some pretty good, not necessarily as long, nicely done action sequences, but action sequences that really hit the home in terms of grittiness and stuff. Okay. I'll like, have to rewatch that film. Yeah. Uh, it, it really humanizes D- James Bond, not not just like from, from like you thinking him of as a real human for for... Um, to like, like emotionally, but like in the fact, from the standpoint that he's a very, he's very much fallible. Mm-hmm. He's not an infallible, like a Hulk character. Yeah. And he's yeah, not a Casino Royale, superhero. in my opinion, does it really the best. Okay. They literally kill off, almost kill off Bond halfway through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty great. Yeah. My memory of it is that it does a lot of, like, the emotional stuff and the acting and stuff really well. But mm-hmm. action-wise, for some reason, I want to rank this film above it. But as I said, it's been a hot second since I've seen that of film. All so. the, of all the Craig Bond movies, Casino Royale, hands down, has the best opening sequence in my mind. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, like, if you were looking for Call of Duty-type action... And that's what you like, then No Time to Die is hands down the best with, like, guns and stuff. 
Yeah. But if you were looking for raw chasing and running around and show, showing like Bond can really be killed, Casino Royale is the best in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, one last one last category. Yep. Who do you think won the movie? Um, or who do you think lost the movie? I I got to give it to Daniel Craig. I think he's just the most important piece of the puzzle in making this film work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other good stuff going on, but he's the person that provides the emotional depth. If you have a much worse actor, uh, like who's a bad actor? Uh, like if you put, for some reason, my mind immediately went to Keanu Reeves. Who would be a very weird Bond, but if you put Keanu Reeves as I Bond, am the 007. <laughs> the action might be slightly better than this film, but everything else would be way worse. <laughs> yeah, I am 007. <laughs> Name is Bond, James, James Bond. Bond. <laughs> uh. Okay. Um, Who won the movie for you? I want to say... I want to... I want to make a, like, a non... Obvious choice. And, like, from that perspective, I think, for me, Paloma. Oh, out wow. of the RMS. Like won the movie. Ch- choose R- Rami Malek. Like, if we, if we look at... No, I, I mean, I'm not just going to make a <laughs> completely terrible choice on purpose. <laughs> Non-obvious. Like, she, ha- she, she achieves everything she needs to achieve in a very short amount of screen time. Yeah. And she hits the mark. Um, like, Paloma as a character does, but Ana de Armas as an actor also does really well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, you just... If this movie doesn't get her more similar... Action roles. sequence roles. If she wants them. Um, yeah. Yeah, if she wants them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what would. But yeah. If I was a Netflix executive, I mean, maybe I'd be ready to sign yeah. off on a Paloma movie. Netflix yeah. original. Yeah. Like extend it. Yeah. Do a spinoff. Yeah. For sure. Based off of the five minutes. I mean, yeah. she, she was really good in the five minutes. I mean, yeah. everyone's saying that too. So yeah, it's not like we're weirdos. True. Um, who lost the movie? I mean, I didn't like Rami Malek. There I'm we go. To be honest, I think we're we're on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. The reason I didn't say Dan- Daniel Craig is because he's already done better. Yeah. If I knew which writer wrote the parts I didn't like in the third act, maybe I'd single them out. But yeah, is it I'm not sure. a one? Uh, I, th- one I man think it's show? a bunch of writers. I think it's like three or four. So uh, okay. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. what to blame. Uh, Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, or Kerry Jojo Fukunaga. So, uh, yeah, right. I don't know. I, I, I think that was the weakest part of the film. But in uh, absence of that, I'm going to blame uh, uh, Rami Malek. Yeah. Uh, I'd say another uh, s- side loss would be Billy Magnuson. Like, you didn't he like does him? a great job. The reason I would say he lost... The movie more so would be like, and this is not his fault at all, but he lost because he couldn't show off what he wanted to show off, I would say, or what I would have wanted him to show off. And yeah, that's the disappointing part. Uh-huh. I really think he's a good actor 
and a really good actor, and I think he should have been able to showcase his talent a little bit better, rather than just literally showing up uh, in a chase sequence at the very end and then, like, getting... Dies pretty unceremoniously. You don't even see him that he's the one chasing Bond until literally two seconds before he dies. That's true. They could have used him a little bit more. Yeah. Like, film him behind the steering wheel or something. Something. Yeah. It's disappointing. Or blow him up or something. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's where the movie really starts to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we're, we see eye to eye on that. Um, yeah, and the more you think about it, the less you're going to you're gonna enjoy that part so i'm gonna try not to think about think it about anymore it. yeah all right that was a pretty long podcast uh any last words before we head out uh nope i think that's it awesome thank you all we'll see you all soon